This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer! Richard! So excited to be back. Welcome back. How was your trip? It was probably one of the best trips I've ever had. I've been on a lot of trips, but it was very special because of my daughter, Blake. Very cool. Well, tell the audience who have been waiting rapturously for two weeks to hear your voice, your dulcet tones. Where the heck did you go? We first went to Paris. We went to Paris. And as soon as we landed, can I tell you the itinerary? As soon as we landed, (laughs) we went to the speakeasy tour. Oh, what's that mean? She turned 18 the week before. So what does that mean? They took us to speakeasies. Granted, Back in pro, you know, prohibition, around yeah. here, they did not have it over there, but they loved the concept of these doors and back clubs and whatever. So they take their, they take it very seriously. It was a very cool way of seeing Paris that we couldn't have seen. Wow! Um, and the next day, we um, actually got a photographer for like a hundred bucks, right? He took the most spectacular pictures of us and it was raining and it thundered at one point and then it was sunny at one point, all within an hour. And those pictures are priceless. Oh my wow, God. that's so cool. I know. And then we went to, we just did a lot of things between the Louvre and the Musée d'Orsay. And then we had dinner with um, some friends and then we went to the Eiffel Tower. And I mean, you know, and then we took a river cruise. We packed in a lot. <laughs> That's great. It's been a while. And, you know, of course, everybody out there listening in has had pandemic on the brain, you know, for the past, I don't know how many years. And it's been a while since I've had that kind of adventure, but it's great fun. And you're so lucky to be able to have done it. And I mean, I could say this, my clients were the producers and directors of Emily in Paris. So I made Blake watch it. And then we met up with, we met up with them. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. How cool is that? Yeah, I worked in Paris. I don't consider it work because it was so much fun. But I worked in Paris and in London and had the best time. And London was also amazing. You know, I you mean, it. you saw clients over there or you talked to them? No, I saw them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. And anybody we'd know? I'm kidding. <laughs> you don't talk about your clients. I know that. That's fine. Um, you know, it's interesting because we've talked about this before about you taking a tour around London and or about England, you know, doing a whole tour of because it's such a tradition to have mediums, you know, training, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it's a wonderful thing. I was cheating on you, uh, again. so to speak. Again and again. <laughs> no, I got a call from um, a podcast in Australia in melbourne um mick and the psychic that's the name of their podcast nice but i'd never met them before and um and so it was very it was fascinating they haven't posted it yet so there's no way that you could know any of the content yes i did see though that um gaia has your movie out because it actually came in an email to me oh did it really well you're in it you're in it and George Nori. So George Nori's um, podcast show. Yeah, his show, Beyond Belief. And uh, and you're ah. in it. I must say, you know, it's fun. It's fun how they do the show. They fly me into Boulder or whatever, Denver. And then while I'm doing the show, George asked me questions. I have no idea what he's going to ask me, just like our show here. Right. And, uh, you know, and then he'll he'll start a question. What about this friend of yours, Jennifer Schaefer? And then they cut to you talking, you know, and then they want me to comment on whatever the clip is. I it's just it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I did misspoke. I, I misspoke. I was telling the Amelia story actually, and there was a moment when I was talking about the two guys who had dug up Amelia, and I said when they dug her up in 1963. What I meant to say was when the there was a book. That was published in 1963, where they interviewed those guys who had dug her up in 1944. Anyways, it happens. I misspeak every now and then, as we know, or I'm Mr. Speak. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, or I thought maybe we'd just bring it up, because you don't know who I spoke to in the podcast. We haven't even talked. What? 
chat. We haven't spoken. The only yeah, we haven't talked. We haven't spoken. But I saw was um, with your brother. Yeah, that's right. We did speak. The last time we spoke was talking to my brother. And by the way, for those curious, uh, Jennifer talked about his method of passing, and that was absolutely accurate because I did not know until you know the coroner's report came back and confirmed her diagnosis. I mean, it's an odd way to put that. it. What, what did I say? It's okay. It's we talked about it. I, you know, they, we, then we'll go down there, unless unless my brother wants to come forward and talk about it. But uh, that being said, I just wanted to have some fun with uh, the fact that we talked to in in this podcast, which I will post. They've allowed me. They're going to allow me to post it on our page. Um, but in this podcast, I talked to some folks that you and I have spoken to before who showed up willy-nilly uh, right there uh, during the podcast. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so weird. Now, does our friend Luana want to put those people? And Luana, of course, for those tuning in for the last time, um, Luana's my friend on the flip side who helps coordinate our class. and Great. Yeah. I know I was just in London. Does it have anything to do with the Beatles? The or... Beatles? No. No. Uh, I, but I'm going to give you one big clue because Luana showed up in the midst of this podcast. This woman who's never doesn't know Luana. I mean, you never met Luana, but you've met her many times since. Right. But in this, so this woman said, Your friend is here and your friend wants you to stop talking. <laughs> which was hilarious uh, because I was just, you know, rambling on. But she brought a friend, a friend of hers or a friend of our, somebody from our class, not a friend friend, but somebody from our class that we've talked to before that really startled this person because she was like, am I seeing this correctly? Am I seeing who I am seeing? And I said, well, let's try not to judge it. Now, Lou, do you want to continue that conversation or are we starting fresh here? Do you have somebody else that you want to bring forward? I don't know. I keep getting Charles Grodin, but I know that's not the person. So, well, you know, Charles was not the person, but of course he would be a, a logical, but you know, I'm not going to push. No, no, that's not it. He just keeps coming forward. So I don't, and he's mentioned. Well, a couple let's days just, and well, let's be clear. If Chuck wants to come forward, that's who we're talking to, Chuck. And we'll get to this person in a minute. Something about but, his wife, something about a birthday. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, oh, somebody's birthday. Is that right, Chuck? Is that what you want to talk about? Oh, he just figured that was a way to get in. <laughs> when is your daughter's birthday? Uh, coming up, August 1st. Oh, okay. yeah, uh, our kids, July. July and August is our birthday. Well, it's a good month, as we know. That's right. I got a brother whose birthday's coming up. It's my so, birthday. And your birthday is coming up. I think a lot of our birthdays are coming up. All right. But all right. Chuck, first of all, let's just, first of we want to introduce the audience to our good friend, Charles Grodin, who uh, I'd known for the past 20 some years through Luana, good friend. Um, mm -hmm. And he's come through before and it had so if he comes forward, I, I want to give him space to talk. What do you want to talk about, Chuck? You had your own talk show for such a long time. He wants to talk about wasting time. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you mean by that? You mean wasting time over here or wasting time over there? Wasting time in our minds. All right. Um, it is unhealthy with what's going on with the world. And he showed me Texas. Um, the shootings, mm -hmm. Texas. Um, I almost feel like he's saying we can either vacillate over it or do something about it, but we waste time by not doing anything about it and thinking about it. All right, very good, Chuck. And you were a very pro you're a proponent of of action in your life and your career. You helped a lot of people get out of prison. People yeah. aren't aware of that about you. But you were somebody who took the time to help people. In that vein, what's something that we can do proactively? What do you recommend, sir? Put away your guns and lock them up. Um, All right. Sign petitions, he's showing me. 
talk to the governors, talk to your local businesses, your local um, the townships. Um, and in the meantime, celebrate that you're still here. Celebrate that you're still here. All right, but before we get to the celebratory thing, yeah. people will ask, uh, Chuck, so what is it for what is it like for you on that side to observe events like that? I know there's been something outrageous in the like four or five other shootings in the past week. But if you could just talk about your how do you guys on the flip side become aware of these uh, tragedies? Do they you feel it or do you heartbreak. The heartbreak. Heart, the heartbreak. Collective heartbreak. And and just if you could talk, Luana, if also if you can weigh in, just talk a little bit about the concept that we do have higher selves on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, and how can how do people on the other side help the people here? What what is the process? If I can ask that. He's gonna give me visuals, he said. So the first thing that I saw was rows and rows and rows of angels and angels and angels there when the kids crossed over. So standing by and waiting to greet them. Yes, and then the families, and then, um, which they, even if they didn't know here, when they were, you know, because they were just young, they're going to know just based upon, the, you know, the lights and so forth within each other. That, and the experience of love right. that you would get, that overwhelming love, let's say an angel standing by waiting to embrace you something like that yes they made sure that none of them suffered they made sure that all the pain was gone um it's fascinating the way that they're showing me this i never of course i never thought or even like that didn't even, you know that i haven't even it's not no something. and i know and jennifer for the audience uh you know she spends about a third of her day working with law enforcement on a number of cases and case studies and missing persons and stuff like that, but they don't ask her these kinds of questions. And, and so it's our opportunity to understand these events from a healing aspect. So what, what Chuck and Luan are showing you is that angels like rows and rows and rows and rows of angels or a visual of angels was there to greet the children. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, and, and there was, I don't know, I want to call it love dumping from everybody on the other side. <laughs> so all this love was coming through that, that there was no, but there's not one kid that was alone or there wasn't any child that was scared, you know, immediately when they, you know, if he's saying like a few seconds before they crossed over, mm. um, they were taken into love by love with love. Um, so almost, and what he's saying is a simultaneous event, but even before somebody actually felt any pain, is that what you're saying? Correct. Wow. Absolutely. They're saying a thousand percent. Wow. Um, then they have like a healing center or chamber or a healing place. And what does that look like? Or what did that entail? It, it entails how, so they're showing, he's showing me how they were frightened before they passed that it helps heal the mind. The body is already done, but it helps heal the mind. The mind. Makes sense because they don't have the body, but it's just something I didn't really think about. So, but a healing center. And if you could just describe that, is it energetic or is it tailored to each individual or, or what would be the? Uh... All of it. All of it. So they're all there. They already know those people are greeting them already know the circumstances of each individual. So they can tailor this kind of love dump. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great term. Yeah. Download of love or a, a, like a full, full load download. Um, that's interesting. And so, and then in terms of the parents who are suffering, let's, if we get, how, how, is there any way to help them? All of their loved ones are gathered around, gathered around the parents that are suffering, including their children that are on the other side. So the healing was necessary for the minds of the children. So that way, when they're around the parents, 
they're not they're not grieving they're actually helping the parents who are helping the parents what i'm sorry they're helping the parents who are grieving who are grieving oh very good yeah. um <laughs> it's not our usual topic of discussion i know but uh, obviously and uh, jennifer and i didn't plan to talk about this but but now that we can it makes sense to sort of ask some questions about that um and people go ahead what's interesting is that i believe he's showing me this for people that have lost children mm. even animals or parents like when you grieve the process is different over there but they're they're there like we always say how they're there for us to help us right mm -hmm. we don't put that together but they really are there to help us through our grief I asked, I asked Chuck, I'm like, so what is the bigger, what's the picture? What is it that you want to convey? And, he's, and he says that peace and love can and does really heal people in all energetic forms. So, um, is that one more time? Hold on. Peace and love can heal all forms of grief. Peace and love can heal all forms of grief. I know we've talked to your dad, Jim, about it. Um, and he was so eloquent because I asked him about specific grief that Jennifer was feeling. And uh, he said, well, when you can move grief to nostalgia, you begin the healing process. And by that, because so we had to ask him, what does that mean? He said, well, you know, grief is only sad memories, but nostalgia has a, has a mix of those two. Of course, it's too soon for people in that process right now to get right. into to that area but he was just talking in a general form he had been off the planet for a year but it's worth talking about and and chuck's expanding that thought not just to this incident but to anybody who's lost a child or or a parent or a pet and and the idea that your loved ones on the other side are helping is that right is that correct constantly they're always helping. And then be and then to take the next step in our sort of and the way Chuck came in, because I know he was passionate about change. And and he single-handedly changed the Rockefeller laws in New York State, where he got rid of those laws that were heinous that put people in prison for years and years and decades for marijuana use. Uh, and he got those laws taken off the books. But so and his point was really just keep at it, keep at it and keep trying and keep calling and keep accessing people. So your recommendation is that people speak up and, and if they haven't spoken up before, now is a good time for them to get on the phone or email. He says, research it now with Google, everything is researchable. Right. You can do and just make sure that it's the right, you know, that it's, because um, you, he, thank you. He says you put in guns or anything. He goes, you're going to get both sides from the NRA to everybody else. Sure, but yeah. I, I'm aware that in our state, California, where we are, uh, the governor is proposing a uh, assault weapons ban. Um, and you know, here in Canada, they're proposing a, a weapons ban, something similar to what they did in uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So change is possible. We don't have to throw up our hands and say, well, let's, and that gives it, that gives people sacrifice a context because you can see that people go through very difficult things in order to help heal the planet. So that's a profound. So is that what you wanted to talk about, Chuck? Yep. He says that was his two cents. <laughs> Oh, that's so wonderful. And uh, well, thank you for bringing that up. I, I hadn't been on my plate or agenda. Um, and Lou, let's go back to you, my dear. What, what's, what if, who's on your list or what else, what would you like to talk about? She just said, welcome home to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she said she was in the Eiffel Tower with me and I did think of her, which is interesting. Wow. Um, hold on. Is there anything with George? I have no idea. Who. George? You mean our buddy George Nori or George? 
Don't know. This is very interesting. I'm feeling George Michael, believe it or not. Oh, let, you know, listen, let's invite who needs to come and talk to us. Lou, take a look at your list, flip over the pages. Who's here? Who's invited? You and I, Jennifer doesn't remember most of our conversations, but we Never. have spoken to George Michael have before. We? we have. I think he may appear. I know he's in backstage past the flip side. We asked him some specific questions about his journey, who greeted him on the other side, but but he must be coming forward for a specific reason. And what would that be, George? That's interesting. And it's something that we've talked about, I believe. He says that music plays a big, a big part of our memories. And then he showed me, you know, my, uh, he showed me one of my videos that I made of Blake and I um, in Paris and the song that I put to it had to deal with um, chain, you know, chain smokers, Paris. And it was just that song always, that song will forever remind me of Paris, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and he says that it's a sliver of time, but the more that you have, the more that you have compounding it, whether it's an outfit or the music or, cause you can look at, especially for women, they can look at an outfit and go, oh my gosh, I had so much fun. Music brings us back to the memory. Um, like, and he showed me in my mind's eye about Paris, how I have a song that's associated to Paris. And then he says, the more that you have compounding that, like outfits and so forth, cause I, you know, the outfit that I wore with my daughter while we were being, uh, having our pictures taken. Um, the more that you have compounding really solidifies those memories, those little slivers of time. Okay. And let me see what the point is. Hold on. <laughs> well, if I may, to add to that, I mean, you know, cause of, of course our book to yes. the end of the afterlife is about, yes. is about the frequency of music, but it's also about this idea that memory, look, the string theory, is that everything has a vibration so if everything is music then the memory has a frequency the memory has a vibration but i was going to ask you related to what you just said to jennifer you know the idea that that memory that she had of that tune brought her right back into paris do people have musical associations with previous lifetimes so for example yes they do he said right away they do and so does so like a song that might they might hear for the first time in this life it brings them back to something that they knew before yes that's so interesting i just saw your mom and then i saw beethoven there you go two uh wonderful con conversations i had a dream where i was talking and i don't know if i mentioned this or not but i was talking to ludwig and in the dream, I was calling him Ludovico because I knew that he liked to sign his letters with that because it was like a play on the, all the Italian composers. And he said, you can call me Ernst. And I said, Ernst? Why Ernst? And he said, because the lifetime that I had as Ernst was more rewarding to me than the one as Ludwig. And he and then he descri described uh, a forest in and I think he called it Schwabing, but a forest in that I had to look up and it turned out to be in the Black Forest outside of Munich. Um, but that he had had this lifetime where he was a farmer and that the music of farming, the music of nature, mm -hmm. that lifetime was more rewarding to him because he likes to remind himself of that lifetime where he, there was no stress, there was no angst, there was no, uh, you know, sister-in-law with a son that he had to fight over, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot of drama in that Beethoven life. You are so dumb, but but not so much as Ernst. And so it was just a weird conversation to be having because it's like, I, I would never think that. It would never even occur to me in a million years. But yeah. that idea of music, let's say, and he's okay. a great, Go ahead. He just showed me something else. Like when I finally started doing this work out in public, um, how that extracted so many different frequencies for me. I knew that this was, I knew that this was the right thing 
you know, um, that this was the right uh, job for me, the right work for me. I knew that this was my dharma. But he's he just showed me it like coming from all different lifetimes, how I've been doing this in some form or way, fashion. You know, maybe it's not music, but this is my tuning into the afterlife. Your frequency. My frequency. So it's music is one thing, but also whatever, you know, he just showed Junior say hi, Junior say how. Um, football. Junior say how. There you go. And he showed me football, but he also showed me being an Olympian athlete in Greece. Ah, I see. So he's, and as he's, an example, he's using somebody else in our class who, right. you know, who was not only an athlete in life when he was Junior Seau, the San Diego Charger football right. player and many others, but also an Olympian. Now, we haven't asked Junior about that. I think it's a fascinating concept. He said that we were on strict diets as Olympians, and I believe I read somewhere that they were all vegetarian. Interesting. Okay. You didn't get to eat like you did in this life. He showed me that, yes, there was contact sports that also called cause concussion. You know, I'm seeing people battle each other. But he said he was fast, like in track, where there wasn't anything, you know, he didn't have that. But the point is, is that he knew he had to run. He knew he had he had to do something with sports. Um, but the he's like the drinking was and whatever else, you know, the stuff that's available. I'm not saying that he did that the stuff that's available kind of takes over your body. Right. Yeah. You know, as an athlete back then, he says it was so clean and you were one with nature and that was your, you know, you knew at an early age, that's what you were going to do. Wow. What was your sport then junior? What was the, uh... because there wasn't much clutter like in the universe. They, okay. didn't have, they didn't have what we have with the internet. They didn't have cacophony of noise to interrupt your frequency. Right. What was your sport that you participated in, Junior? And that in the dirt as an Olympian. That's interesting. Hold on. One, it makes me feel like the decathlon. Very possible. Very possible. Something very interesting. Like but more importantly, track was his. He was very fast in track. Well, interesting because Junior talked about how you create football games on the flip side and how you invite athletes that of that frequency. And he talked about Arthur Ashe playing on his football team because he was saying, you know, because he's an athlete and he brings that frequency. And of course, because you're bringing intent, you're bringing concentration and focus to play the game or whatever the mental construct is. He was just showing me the body type. He ended up with a different body type, but you know, made him play football versus doing a decathlon. Yeah, more of a sprinter. Right. Different type. Yeah, and of okay. course, but then there was the trauma that happened in his brain. Right. We, this is why Junior came forward. He wanted to tell us that Joe Namath had cured CTE using hyperbaric oxygen therapy. He and Dave Dewerson came forward to tell us that in one of our podcasts a couple of years ago. Fascinating. But it's also that concept that that Ludwig brought in, Ernst, of frequency, of frequency modulation. How Jennifer's frequency has continued over many lifetimes as a as a medium, many times. Okay. Junior's pointing out that he's been an athlete many times. Right. And, and Ludwig and George Michael. Let's not forget him. Have you been in a, a musician in other lifetimes? That's the question. Thank you. He said that. He's always been an artist, but he was, he always fought his sexuality in every lifetime. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that he waited too long fighting it here. And do you want to, do you want to share one with us? Previous lifetime. And it is that month of celebrating. He was a, he's showing me he was a female that loved another female. And that was a huge no-no. And how many century ago, centuries ago, or, or was that in the recent century? Or? 16th century. Okay. He said he's had 16th, and then he showed me the 14th. It was um, a recurring theme. Yeah. And what's your observation about that, George, from the flip side, since there's no hierarchy? Be who you are despite the clothing you wear. 
So everyone, but you have to love yourself first. If you fight who you are, how can you fight for someone else or how can you love someone else? And he's showing me the alcohol and the drugs and the stuff that, you know, just like Junior say how, you know. Um, That's right. He did do all, all that stuff to sort of contra- counteract the effects of the CTE. I did it too because of this work. I was, you know, I felt like what am I doing when I've been told my whole, like, this is bad. This is a bad thing. You know, talking to the dead is, you know, I was raised in a religious family, but that was just my interpretation. They didn't come out and say it. Yes, but it is, it is in the scripture. It's in the, it's in the text. And I hear it a lot from people on Quora. Yeah. So, But, but you know, I had to get over that and that's been my thing. So yeah. My thing, he's showing me his thing, he's showing me Junior Sayhouse. And I, all of us had the one thing in common is we ran away from it. And once we faced it, some of us make it and some of us don't. And so the idea, Michael, uh, George, is to love yourself, to show love to yourself. And then that way you don't have to hide from who you are. What about people who live in countries where they don't accept it, where it's a death sentence? to love somebody of the find same. a way find a way to love no matter what he says project it on someone else what does that mean <laughs> play um, along to get along like if you're in love with somebody and you can't you'll die if you're with that person project that on an animal you know to project that on somebody that you can be with or or it's not like that. I can't quite get the right interpretation. Find a way to love. Find a way to love and find a way to figure it out to get out of there. You have to. If you have to. Well, that's unusual. Um, oh, very good, George. Is that what you wanted to talk about today? Is that why you stopped by? Yes, and I was in England. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he he forgot to talk to you while he was over there. Is that right? Or did you run into George while you were I over there? I ran into him in some capacity, but I don't necessarily, I think it was when I saw Moulin Rouge. I thought of him. There was, I, I'm like, I'm sitting there with my daughter drinking champagne and we're watching Moulin Rouge and there's a lot of titties. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a lot of uh, nakedies is my mom. Yes, said. but it was very well done. It was spectacular. I know. I've been, I actually went there and the I owners- I'm thinking to myself because I see my daughter going. <laughs> I went there and the owners of the Moulin Rouge actually talked to me about doing a movie. That's why they brought me in there. And this was before uh, the Baz Luhrmann film was made. And then while we were negotiating, they announced the Baz Luhrmann film. So, And they did a much better job than I ever would have. But they wanted to talk about it. They wanted to make a film because these guys had purchased the Moulin Rouge. It's a great venue, and it does take you back in time. You imagine those, the can-can, that song yeah. has a certain frequency that, you know, yeah. people must understand and remember, recall. Well, it's interesting, too, because it's, because in Moulin Rouge, it goes, it takes you through time periods. It goes along with what Chuck, so they've all have had a theme, which unbeknownst to me, now I'm putting it together. Yeah. So you showed me Chuck saying, don't waste time. Hmm. Okay, with with what we talked about. I have the chills about it, but it also carries along what um, George is saying. He's discussing how by not wasting time and being present, you know, in a different way, by not wasting time, you know, Chuck was saying, be proactive, like get after it. Proactive, you know, yeah. About it. So, but he's saying, George is taking that and saying, don't waste time and make your memories count. Make your future memories count. Um, plan those trips do what you can instead of being afraid the world has been afraid for a while right and it doesn't mean you have to go to paris you can you can read books on paris you can like whatever it is that that excites you try to find a way to to make those things work for you as well as enhance your life and of course we've been trapped indoors for two years and now people are finally getting out and into the world again. Well, Luana, what do you? What else do you want to talk about? And uh, 
I want you because the, sometimes this is the way Jennifer and I work together. We have this thing where in, we're in sync, where we're trying to sync up, and then we have a conversation, and then people come through. And so, Lou, there was somebody I was that you brought in to our conversation. Do you want to show Jennifer who that is? It's also our friend Sally would know this person because this this I'll say he's a fella. Yeah, I'm not. You're not getting anybody? Okay. Well, I got Elvis, and I know that's not Elvis, and I know it's not like it's so it doesn't <laughs> coming through. It goes to show that we just don't set these things up that yeah, way. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And I mean, it was a very unique conversation with with this fella, and but it's okay. And 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 Is if it, you hold on, give me a second. It's only about whether Luana wants to let him in the chair again, because certainly. Elvis might want to show up here because his movie premiered in Cannes. You know, I don't know. Does he want to talk about that? Yeah, but that was weird. Um, what? First, tell me the person so I can just put it away. Marlon. I wouldn't get Brando. Yeah, that guy. Oh. He showed up and, and the, the yeah, medium was completely he, wigged out. Like, why would he be here? He's not even in my... I'm sorry, my. That's fine, and it, but it was really up to Luana to bring him in. Yeah, and, and we, and they you know, it. it. I just, you know, it was. I was really they to want, tease him. They want to keep the, but they said, okay, what they do want to say is that you are a medium, and that you have to quit saying that you're not. Stop it! I know I'm, you like saying <laughs> you'd rather be like, no, I'm interviewing you. Do I'm well done. More than a medium. Hey, okay. medium rare. Just totally kidding. Well. All right, well, Elvis. Come on, dude. We're not going to kick you out of the chair. No, he said the movie. So it is, Elvis is talking about, he's adding another, they're adding layers, right? Mm -hmm. So George talked about, you know, the frequencies of music and then our, our lives, how, you know, how each life there's a theme about or making it better. Remember that baton toss that we're, we're making our future selves better. That's right. Where you pass the baton to your future self so you right. can continue and, to and progress. It, your future self could be your past self. We just don't know how it works <laughs> just yet. Um, but, oh, then they showed me Ludwig, how that was in his favorite lifetime, right? The lifetime that he had before or after whatever it was, Ernst was better. Yeah, like Ludwig's. Yeah. Um, so Elvis is saying movies, like with what you said, I didn't realize that his movie was being shown again. Um, it was fun being <laughs> in Paris. Um, with my friends that were in Cannes, like, why can't you come over here? I'm like, I'm going to Cannes. Right. Um, movies are a great way to travel too. Movies are a great, great way to travel as well. And that idea of the frequency of, of somebody performing and being creative. And we've talked to Elvis about Colonel Tom Parker. And we've talked about the idea that they put they switched roles in a previous lifetime. That in a previous lifetime, Elvis was the guy in charge and wouldn't let Tom Parker do anything, Colonel Parker. So that idea that you know people will see Tom Hanks as this evil character in this movie, according to Elvis, they switched roles in a previous lifetime. So they, you know, this was all planned, you know, that they would be together. And that was part of the journey. Uh, I know that his wife was there. His wife, Priscilla, was there and uh, hanging out with Julian, our friend Julian. Yeah. Was his daughter there, too? And his uh, granddaughter, okay. Riley Keough, uh, who she lost. Go ahead. She had a film. She had a film that was up, and I think she won, she won an award for it. So it's pretty amazing. And uh, I know that her brother had passed away. Her, His grandson had uh and we we right. chatted with him. Yeah, that's right. Um, he has his grandson. Epichels. That's so interesting. He just showed me holding on to him, and he said, "This is what happens." And he said with himself, "When you don't, when you don't fulfill your love destiny, your love of self, your love of what you do, wow, your love of who you are, your love of helping the planet. You can't. You know, there was some William Blake just showed up." There's something about William Blake had this thing I read somewhere where like, if you teach children not to squish bugs or not to hurt animals, they'll be a different person later on. If you could teach them when they're young not to do that. 
right? To love uh, life, to, to, to appreciate life. Right, to, to love life. They just keep showing drugs and alcohol, how that takes over. You know, and it's an interesting concept. We've talked about this, the idea of planning your lifetime and you're thinking, well, I'm going to have these things in my life, but I will overcome them and get to this point where I will help help heal people. And people who don't overcome them sometimes say from the flip side that this was about a future lifetime where they'll become a healer. So they understand the things. It's almost yeah, like it's all compounding because you do learn from each lifetime they're showing me. So yeah. it's that idea of the baton being held, being passed right. forward, as well as the frequency of all those lifetimes, so that you are passing the baton forward to a future self that will learn from the things and the trauma that you've experienced. Is that right. something like that? Yeah. But if you end your life, hold on. And not there's nothing, there's no like um how do you want to say it? There's no, uh, he's not talking down. Like if you do this or if you do that, this is not the, this isn't the case. I want to make that clear. Um, well, if you end the journey or end the play, let's say, because you can't if you end, end up. If you end the play, it's a, it's a more challenging head start for the next play. But if you're able to go throughout the full play, then you're able to be a little bit more clear later on because you'll have to deal with the issues that you dealt with this life. This play. This play. Yeah, I'm just trying to, the reason I say it like that is because it gives us a context to be able to understand it at the same time, allow that it's possible that that's what they're talking about. Yeah. But but that I, that free, so if you think of it in terms of an actor on mm -hmm. stage and performing many, many, many different roles, uh, and I, even in the conversation we had with Brando, it was about, he was pointing out that he could have been a bus driver, he could have been a passenger, it didn't matter. He could have been a scary bus driver. <laughs> but that idea that you you carry hey. through on your roles and you do yeah. those things. Go ahead, sorry. Hey, get on the bus. <laughs> yeah. But that idea of, of each role that you play is another learning experience, another note in your orchestra, another note in your symphony, part of the frequency of who you are. Mom's coming through. Hold on. Ah. Anthony. My she, mom. The, you know, she loves having her boy over there. That's sweet to say. Mom. And she's holding on. She's holding him. And he said, she's saying that you were right, Richard. <laughs> so how does how does my brother Jeff? How does Jeff look okay. to you, Anthony? Does he look young or old, or about what age does he he's appear? Twenty five. That's about twenty five. Okay, his sort of happy, happy go lucky. You know, have former head of the advertising for Rolling Stone. Got married. I I realized that uh, I had his obituary wrong. He was a first lieutenant, not a lieutenant JG. So so many interest, interesting things. You know, when you get into somebody's life to find out all these things that they did. He said you were 99.99% accurate of everything else. <laughs> okay, because well, very good. He said thank you for leaving some stuff out that didn't need to be in there either. Well, I also feel like he was correcting me because I found myself saying, no, 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 that's not how it happened. And then I would write it. I'd do a little research and find out. Find out luckily, he just showed me you filming. Like, luckily, there was a lot of film. That's right. Well, there was a lot of recording in either my mind or other family members. So uh yeah it's been and we've just i've just gotten everything together here he knows you know yeah. hold and, on a second your mom keeps coming through so let me sorry anthony go ahead she says we all love what we did on earth we just now can laugh at some of the things that were so big while we were here we can laugh at some of the things that we did um i don't think your mom did anything wrong ever by the way <laughs> she says that she would have taken more chances. She would have moved. She would have done, you know, different things. The family yeah. was important to her. And you guys took off to the West Coast. Um, and rightfully so. You chased the sunshine. And she loved you. You always came. She never felt the lack of love from any of her boys. Um, she says her point is, I would have been more of a risk taker if I would have known. I understand. And I had an interesting conversation with Anthony uh, once I was asking her what she thought heaven was like because a friend had passed away and I was trying to bring up the topic. And she described like constructing a beautiful home with a garden and like birds and flowers and animals. And I thought, wow, that's so unusual. It's, it's not what you would think 
you know, that the, she was taught growing up, her uncle was a priest and all that stuff. But it seems that she created that. That seems to be her journey in creating this home and a garden. And that her journey was music and home. Beautiful. Like music and home and teaching. I just feel her teaching and learning constantly. Like your father, I see him every time your father shows up, he's in a library. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Taking out another book. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yeah. A, a, an engineer who was an architect. So it, it, I mean, it's fascinating. He was a very, uh, a guy really into learning and figuring stuff out. And I'm sure he still is. I'm sure. And I had the experience of, of visiting my life planning session and saying, I, wherever Charlie's going to be, my dad, that's where I want to be because I want to learn from him. It's so good. There's so many, like, I'm so excited about my, I'm just going to toot my own horn, even though it's not mine. My daughter was the number one, she was student of the year for astrophysics. What? How that fabulous is that? One of, them. one of them. And I'm like, Blakey, but this is why I'm saying this. I'm like, Blakey, can you just give us a little bit? what that's all about. She goes, mom, I've always loved the stars and the planets and the moon. And she goes, it's a thing. She goes, she goes, yeah, it's, it's taking physics and putting it like on crack. Like it's the <laughs> dealing with physics. And she goes, but it's the easiest class for me. Wow. She has like, she made the highest, you know, honors, honor society. She had, four different awards that she didn't even know there was an award ceremony yesterday, <laughs> but she goes, I just thought people got nominated. She goes, but apparently I was the only one out of 126 some odd students that got, got this award. And there was 126, whatever. That was all the students that were in astrophysics that made it to <laughs> astrophysics in senior year. You know, it's fantastic. And so you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I grow after my own heart. She goes, you might have the universe in one way. I'm just trying to make sense of it. I'd love that. And, you know, I'm sure she's not aware of the fact that your dad, your father, her grandfather, That's right. is attending an astrophysics class on the flip side. Because for the audience members, we, I, when he first came forward to talk to us, I asked him to take us to a classroom that he might be attending. And he went into deep space. And, and at the time, I remember you were describing the journey, like, where are we going? And then he actually said to you, now don't get freaked out by the teacher when we get to this class and and i was asking him questions like where is it and, and it was deep deep space but it was a giant or a huge auditorium i think and this teacher who was profoundly intelligent yeah. um you know who who has been teaching astrophysics to people beings on the other side and and your father is one of those members of the class so i wonder what his connection, if any, between Blake, your daughter, and this class. Is there a connection there, Jim? He just, I, when you said that, my heart just, hmm, about right. <laughs> it's hard not to cry. Um, he just showed me, even though he didn't have that much time with my daughter, um, he gets to spend a lot of time with her now. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that's important for us, and it's a full circle of what we're talking about, which is when you go to the other side, you do have a higher self that's always home, and that higher self is connected to all the people you love in a really profound way. He just said, "He goes, my he goes, my heaven is my family here, you know, there and above." Yeah. But the idea, I, I, I guessed that, you know, he gets to spend time with your daughter's higher self because they can talk about these things. They can have discussions that would be outside your purview completely. And they might be in a dream that your, your daughter might have. But it's not so important to access that because this is kind of her journey. Yeah. So I wonder if his teacher is helping her because that teacher was pretty mind bending. Yeah, he said it's. it's it trickles down um it was just so i mean i'll never forget blakey saying in a freshman year you know in high school i want i think i want to be an astrophysicist <laughs> like what 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 do you have to do she goes yeah that's why i took geometry because i didn't want to take algebra 
after I've, you know, summer, I wanted to make sure that I was able to get in the highest math class so I can take astrophysics my senior year. She goes, and it's, she goes, it's a thing. She goes, that's if everything goes right. <laughs> like, you know, but she, from the girl from the fifth grade on, it's all she ever cared about was college, getting into college. Her whole path was, fun. yeah. Freddie and I still laugh about it. We're like, we wish we could have said we had a big part in this, but right. she gets herself ready, gets to school at seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, this girl worked so hard and that's why it was so fun to take her and spend time with her. That's a trip that I will always remember because of all the things between music, the food, the places. That's why trips are fun because you plan so long in advance for them. And then when you get there, it solidifies everything to even being better or worse in some cases, but it far exceeded anything that I dreamt of with her. You know, that chunk of time that I had with her. That's fantastic. And it really reflects what we've been talking about, which is memories are frequency. Creating great memories are take, you know, don't waste time, take music, take art, take creativity and put it all together. And then don't forget to call Jennifer. <laughs> all right thanks everybody for tuning in uh sorry about the glitches i'll fix those and we love you thank you so much for your talents and ability and for being back on our podcast. thank you jennifer love you see you next week oh actually blakey's graduating next thursday so we'll have to okay finish. all right very good no worries a week after love love bye bye this has been hacking the afterlife podcast with jennifer schaefer for more information, jenniferschafer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.